the Plumbing Marketing Profits Podcast. Interviews with million-dollar-plus plumbing and HVAC business owners on how they market and grow their companies in today's economy. Hear directly from the most successful leaders in your business and discover what they are doing to keep their phone ringing, trucks running, and businesses booming. With your host, Josh Nelson. Well, hello, and thanks for joining me on this episode of the Plumbing and HVAC Marketing Profits Podcast. Today, I'm super excited to be interviewing Jeff Heger from Nixco Plumbing. Runs an amazing operation. I've had the opportunity to go there and visit him in person and know what a great operation he runs. So, Jeff, thanks so much for joining me on, on, on this episode of the podcast. Thanks, and thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, I guess before, before we dive too deep into the marketing stuff, just tell us a little bit about you, kind of your background, and kind of before we start with that, though, like, tell us about Nixco Plumbing, approximate size, how many trucks, how much revenue, some of the uh, the demographic stuff. Okay, well, Nixco Plumbing's been around since 1978, so this is actually our 40th anniversary or 40th birthday, whatever you want to say. Wow. Our average reven- revenue is between five and a half and six million, and we've been pretty well consistent with that throughout the last ten to fifteen years. Okay, uh, we're running six service trucks. Well, we have six service trucks, trying to get a six tech in one, and we also run new construction. We're running eight construction crews. We have about thirty employees here. Okay, we we do a on our service side. We do both. Com- we do all commercial, residential, and industrial service, drain cleaning, sewer and water line repair and replacement. And as far as construction goes, or new construction, we're doing, we do residential and commercial, light utility, and remodel. So we run the whole gamut of what we work on. We cover, uh, we're like your one-stop shop, let's say. Uh, well, we serve what is considered basically the greater Cincinnati area, but we focus a lot as far as our service portion goes within 15 miles of the shop here okay. in Mason. In Mason, Ohio. Yeah. Awesome. So, I mean, a, a nice, well-established operation. Um, you know, I think you said 30 employees, almost $6 million a year in revenue. Um, I think you mentioned a majority of that's coming from commercial, and over the last several years, you've been looking to build the residential side, right? As far as the new construction goes most of that is probably considered commercial we have one or two major uh, residential clients that we we do both their new the inside work and the outside work so that has helps us make it a profitable um profitable avenue for us to go and then as far as i mean it's like 40 percent of our business or 40 to 45 percent of our business is service and it and trying to continue to get that to grow to be where it's at least 50% of, of the business that we do. Okay. You know, one of the things I, I hear often when the, when the conversation of residential versus commercial comes up is the profitability and the cash flow is so much better in residential. Um, I guess what are you doing in order to make that work for you? I know you kind of alluded to it a little bit. I'm just curious if you could exp- you know, extrapolate on that a little bit. That's- as far as the the, okay, the residential commercial service part of it, you know, residential service is on demand, or it's, and it's also 100% paid for at the time of service. Mm-hmm. So, and then the commercial side, we bill our customers, and we try to keep that down to either the net 15, net 30. But of okay. course, you've got those that run out longer. Yeah. So with the uh, once you know what your true cost of doing business is, and you're pricing yourself accordingly, you that having both of those running at the same time 
you're able to one keep your guys good busy you're able to price out at, at the same level we use the same price book on both residential as we do on commercial so oh, wow. whatever we're doing in either we're not T&M you're not sacrificing your margins in order to get that commercial business done. And we're using the same margin. We're not changing our, our margins or our pricing at all. Oh, nice. We're doing the same on both. Okay. So and I understand that's different for some some companies, but that's just the way we've been able to do it and we continue to do it. We might have a little pushback here or there, but very rarely is there any pushback on that. And then with the new construction work running, we price ourselves so that, you know, if we don't get it at the price we want, then we just move on to the next. So we're, yeah. If it's not going to be profitable, just, just you'd rather pass on the job than to just take the, take the project at a loss or even break even. Yeah. Correct. Yes. And it's, it's hard to stick to at times, but that's what we've done and it's been successful. And we've been doing like our, our service portion of the business is only start really started growing about 10 to 11 years ago. Okay. The new construction course we've had forever. We've had a service guy, but you know, it was, guy to take care of all of our existing customers and the work that we had done in the past. And then we made a decision back in 2006, 7, 8, uh, we got to grow that side of our business. Awesome. So you have had some noticeable momentum. If it was 0% and now it's almost like 45% of the revenue, uh, you've built that up pretty pretty well. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. And what you got to do. Yeah. No, no doubt. So... How did you get started, Jeff, in the in the in the business? Have you been with it since since the beginning, or kind of what was your four way four way point into the company? Well, back in when I was in fourth or fifth grade, my dad he was a mechanic or machine builder, whatever you want to call it, for P and G Procter and Gamble here in Cincinnati. Oh wow, okay. And and he was getting passed. He would kids would come out of college and come into him. He would train them, and then they could because they had a college degree, they would get promoted and he would end up being stuck there. Mm. So he was getting frustrated and tired of doing that. So after 25 years there, he went and we were building a house at that time and he started talking to the actually the plumber that was on our job and they decided to go into business for themselves at mm. that point. So he was not a plumber, did not have a license at that time. He went and put himself through plumbing school, got his license, and started started the plumbing business together, the two of them. And from there, we were just a small service company and doing some new construction here and there. So as I was 13, 14, 15 years old, I was going out after school on the weekends, spring break, Christmas break, whatever, working with him. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, so that's how I got in. So at the beginning, I was you know out in the field, and I worked out in the field probably through uh, 17, 18. When I got to be in high school, they felt that I needed to be in the office and I started doing the buying back then mm. and then I learned how to, to bid and do all the different things in the, the office setting and from there and you know he taught me how to bid a project and I bid my first project and got it or whatever and then after that you just worked your way through it all and to the point that he started taking more and more days off mm-hmm. and next you know he's not in the office and I'm running it and then buying it from him in 2001. Okay, awesome. So, I mean, literally, you've been involved in the business basically since you were since you were in middle school. Yeah, it goes. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Wow. I can remember. I mean, him coming in and waking. You think you're getting to spend the 
got to sleep in on a Saturday. Next thing you know, your door's being knocked on, saying, "Let's go. You got work to do." No, no such, no such luck. No, no such luck. So at, in that same time frame, I ended up going to plumbing school, mm-hmm. and, you know, getting my license. So now I, I'm, I have my license, so that it can continue on as a, a hegger business, but just a new guy has the has the license for the company. Okay. And so the the, the so, yeah back then back at the beginning yeah we were service and mm-hmm. service and residential then we became a bigger residential custom high end residential guy then some commercial customers came to us based on our our reputation asked us a bit of commercial work so we started going things started changing we started doing more commercial and then you know we we never really got back to doing as much residential but one of my largest customers is a residential builder now and, but so we're We've gone back to the point where we're doing all the things we mentioned earlier, but still holding on to that same level of high quality service and taking care of the customer as much as, as best we can. Nice. And so what, just out of curiosity, what is Nixco? What is the name? Where did that originate from? <laughs> well, the, my dad's original partner was Richard Nixon. Okay. And, but not that one. And <laughs> so they, my dad didn't really want his name associated with it. So we took, of course, uh, Rick's last three names three words, Nixon, or Nix, N-I-X, and Co. put them together, and my dad and his partner split up, actually, after just one year, hmm. that his partner wanted to go one direction, and my dad wanted to go the other, my dad wanted to hold on to the name, so we kept the name, Richard went on to, in the business for himself, and it just, the rest is history. That's interesting, so, so it was initially, initially the, the old partner's last name, it was the, the Nix from Nixon, interesting. Yeah. Always interesting how these names, you know, come about. It's it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, it's good because a lot of people now, you know, don't even realize they could be talking about that company to you, and they don't even know you're affiliated all the time. Right. Because the last name's not there's just no last name affiliation. Right. Since it's not Heger Plumbing, you, you know, like nobody thinks that you know it all has to, it's it's all on you type of thing, right? Correct. Nice. Correct. All right, so let's let's kind of dive in a little bit, and thanks for giving us a background on kind of a little bit of the history. It's pretty interesting how you got into the business, and you know the one thing I'll say about you in, in working with you over the years is you you really seem more like a business a businessman at the helm of a plumbing company as opposed to what you know traditionally you see like the technician that kind of morphed his way into being the businessman. I mean, you really know your metrics, you know your goals, you've got clarity on what your call volume is and what you need it to be. Um, I'm just curious, was there some kind of business training specifically that you went to, or is that just kind of how your mind operates and how you've always done things? Um, I'm going to say I went to college. I went here at Miami and Ohio, and so you had that that part of it. Mm -hmm. And then my dad was very, my dad was also very numbers oriented. Both my parents, my mom and my dad both were, and so they always knew where, where the numbers were and what they were supposed to be. And then as you're trying to be successful, you have to know what your costs are yeah. to be successful. And um, so I think that's where it all came from was just, I mean, that, that background. And it does make a difference to be able to understand where those numbers are coming from. I, I mean, I took a lot of accounting back in the day. Mm-hmm. So that helped you understand that portion of it. And then after the years of running it, or you, you get the respect to the guys, even though they don't see you out in the field every day, but they see that you're in the office and you're working for them and understand what you're talking about to some degree. 
where those guys, I mean, I couldn't do what they do anymore. Right. And I tell them that all the time that, you know, you guys do what you do and you do it well. I do what I do, hopefully well, or <laughs> half as good as what you're doing out there. And so I think that makes a big difference is just been there, done that, and them seeing you every day as someone out there. Yeah. So growing, I mean, that, I mean, so all those number of aspects came from all of that that kind of molds you into a person. No doubt. All right, so diving into the into the marketing, and I, I always kind of foray into this section of the of the interview with really marketing breaks down into three core elements. It's your market, your message, and your media. So of course, the the market is who you'll sell your services to, and the more clarity you have on who that customer is, their demographics, psychographics, the better, because then you can craft messaging that can resonate with that customer and. Find the media, and we're going to talk a lot about media. That's what everyone likes to talk about. That's the exciting part. Um, the media, you know, that's that's the radio and the billboards and the internet and all the other fun stuff. So let's start with with market. Just talk talk to us a little bit about how you guys at Nixco have defined your ideal customer and that target market that you serve. It's funny because I've heard this asked before in these webcasts. <laughs> And one of the best lines or best answers I've heard is that any paying customer is the customer that you want to serve. And that's still very true. And, but at the same time, you know, when you got to try to boil it down to what you're looking for, it's that homeowner in that 200 to 250,000 plus home that owns a home that's looking for somebody, a plumber that they can trust, that they want to be able to call back on a regular basis, one that they are comfortable with. That's what we're looking for. We're not looking for that. Uh, we, I mean, we deal with tenants and landlords, but you really want that person that's going to keep looking for uh, a custom, a, a plumber or a service contractor that they can trust. Mm -hmm. And that's that's our goal is to find that one. And you mark we market towards homeowners, and we actually truly simply ran advertising where we're marketing to our commercial accounts as well. Okay. So when our some of our ads that are out there do mention residential or commercial, residential or business, to get people to call from that aspect. Absolutely. So then, so then you you uh, in your market two fifty is the higher end. So your customer really is the higher end customer, high you know higher household income, looking for convenience, looking for professionalism. Correct, and that's what we're here to provide. Definitely not the price shop. So, I mean, I, I, no, we're definitely not looking for the price shopper. We will fail at that if you're looking for a, a low price. A absolutely. And so, as you position yourself, and you've got some great positioning, you know, information about your company, but how how would you define your USP or why somebody chooses Nixco versus the competition? What we've been doing is put. Most recently, we re looked at this and. So now we're really pushing the very experienced and, and talented service techs and plumbers that we believe, and also that we believe it's our mission to provide our customers with superior service with the highest level of quality, and at the same time, give those customers options to effectively solve their current problem. Mm. So we're, we're really pushing that aspect of it that, you know, we're, we're here for you, we're here to take care of you, we want to be back, we have some of the best people in the market working for us, and we only want to use the best and the best product that we can get. So that's been really what we've been pushing out there, and it seems to be working. It seems to be working well. Absolutely, yeah. And it really speaks to that that ideal customer 
that you just talked about, right? The, the convenience, the professionalism, the fact that you're going to be there for them and do it right the first time. That's what that customer wants. So the, you know, the messaging is, is right on point. So going from there, then we can start to say, okay, we're clear on who the customer is. We're clear on why they should choose us versus the competition. How are we going to put that out into the marketplace? The next piece is how do we get the message out there? And you know, so let's talk a little bit about your marketing mix and the different things you do in order to get that message in front of your ideal customer. So we can look at this list like you got here. Bowpack is something that you know we've never really ever tried. I think we did it one time and it was a fail for us. Okay. No, no response. But you know, direct mail we do do. I would, and I would, I would say on the on the Valpack issue, that kind of for whatever reason does tend to, to attract the lower end customer. So it wouldn't be surprising to me that that Valpack wasn't a win for you uh, with your business model the way that it's structured. That's interesting because I you know, I wasn't aware that. We, you know, of course, when a Valpac sales person comes in, they're not going to tell you that. Right. But they're, they're here to sell it. But we did it, I'm going to say, it was probably every bit of 10 years ago, but they still tell us, oh, it's changed and it's going to be better. But right. Typically, even when I get Valpac, I'm looking for one restaurant's coupon and it's in there. If it's not in there, it's in the garbage. Right. So for me, it typically doesn't do anything for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, direct mail. Direct mail is something that we we do with one of uh, one of the other QSC industry partners, and it's just and we keep getting uh, you know response from it, and so we just we've never really gone away from it. It's something that I can try to decide if I want to stay with it, but it does work. And is that is that, that every door direct mail? Is it uh, like all the households in your area that have a certain demographic? Kind of who are you targeting with that direct mail? Right now, all we're doing is going back to our existing customers okay. with that one. We tried that uh, every, you know, every every door. We looked at it a couple different ways, and we have not we've not really thought about changing that at this point. Okay. We might we actually may step back from it mm-hmm. just because I think some of my other mediums are working that much better that I don't know if I want to continue anything in print really. Okay. Well, not any that some of the. The direct mail, I don't know if I will continue that here much longer. I'm, I'm watching the numbers on it all the time. Okay. So uh, so direct mail then is, is you mailing your existing customer base, remaining top of mind, trying to drive that repeat referral relationship. Correct. Okay. And that, you need to. Don't let them forget. Don't want them to think we forgot about them. No doubt. So, so based on what you just said there, you don't feel like that's been a quantifiably generating return and worth the investment that you're making into it? Uh, not really. Okay. I just like you know, we as we talk later, or whatever. Some of the numbers I expect a, a a much higher return than what some people would expect. I mean, if you're doing direct mail, I don't, and you're spending six, seven hundred dollars a month, then I would expect to get you know sixty five to seventy five hundred dollars a month out of that. Mm-hmm. I don't think you should be getting two and three times like some of them talk about. You two and three times. That's that's nothing. I mean, you're you're barely paying for a guy to go do anything off of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're losing money. Yeah, you need to be having nine and ten times return, I would think, on direct mail to make it worth your while. Okay, so there that, there's your stance on on direct mail. How about uh, yellow pages in your market? Um, uh, that that's funny. Yellow pages. We the very first year, let's say back in 2007, six or seven, we made this big push to go into service. We double trucked it. You know, two pages back to back, one year, eighty thousand dollars. Canceled the ad. Never have been in yellow pages since. 
not a not a listing, nothing since wow. two thousand. One day, one year done, and that was a waste. And, and but for some people, it works. I hear it all the time that it works for some people, but mm -hmm. for us, that was it. So you've been able to continue to grow the company, you know, and you have had no yellow page presence for over, uh, I guess it's over ten years. Ten years. Wow. Okay. Interesting. And TV, TV and billboards, same thing. TV, we did TV one time back when we first started this push and it never really went back. I don't think there was any response. Billboards, we've never done it. Okay. I look at billboards all the time thinking about it, but I've just never gone that route. Radio is the one medium now that I resisted for a really long time until the last, I'm going to say, 18 months. I think we're going on our second yeah, we're going into about just through 18 months now, and if, if you've got the right market, the right station, and the right number of, um, what do you want to say, occurrences or plays, plays right. online, you, it works. Okay. I'm going to have to say, we get, uh, once we started our, we were at the, we were at the Bengals the, our first time here at Cincinnati, and that presence didn't do to go great, but then well, as soon as we start with the the Reds, which in, the season ended, it seems ever since April of this year we have not stopped. And I'm not sure if it is it because of radio or is it because of the market, because you can't track it. Right. But it and it's been very great. It's been very good for us. I'm gonna have to say. So you're you're just advertising during the the sports sporting events. Is that is that what you're saying? Well, what I was doing is I, they had a Bengals package which ran just through the Bengals season, 16 mm -hmm. weeks, 17 weeks, because you know if you're a Bengals fan, that's all you're going to get is 17 weeks, no playoffs. Yep. So we we got that, and and they had different things that went on throughout the day and on the weekends, and where they were talking to Bengals players, and we were had an ad running during that, and then there was a four month, three month gap, and we were, did it with the Red. So that was season year one. So this we just renewed for all of 2018, where we actually filled in the gap between uh, January and the end of March, where we bought advertising through this period. So for the whole year, we'll be on this one channel. We'll be on two radio stations for the whole year. Okay. Um, to cover all that. And so those listeners are just hearing you again and again, and it's sports. It's sports radio, right? It's a, it's. Sports radio is part of it, but it's talk radio. Okay. The channel is talk is basically talk radio, and but they host both the Reds and the Bengals here in Cincinnati. So I got you. We have a strong following on the radio for that. And what type of what type of radio ad is it? Is it your jingle? Is it like a live interview with you? Or what what type of ad is it? It's just a a, a, a blur, basically talking talk about how we talked about earlier about the quality and the mm -hmm. tech and then. One of the lines they say, don't call the average Joe, call Nick's go. So that runs in there. Um, we have another one that's running on a, uh, another channel that is actually where we're talking about we don't want to, we want to be your plumber for life. So we're actually marrying a client on that one. Really? Where you're having the little walk down the aisle thing with the priest and all that or whatever. Saying, do you take this customer and do you take this plumber for life? So that's clever. So that's what we're doing couple different on the on the talk show we were running actually three two two ads and then a help one they'll help wanted ad and then the other channel every month about every month of six weeks we'll change the ad up on that one which is a radio station that is basically focused on women okay and so so 
Do you play? Uh, is the jingle at some point in all of the ads so that that jingle is anchored or no? The jingle jumps in and out of them. Okay. Um, you the on the radio the music station they'll play it more often than not. Okay. And sometimes they'll pull it into the talk radio. It's just talking. It's more about the repetition on the talk radio that you hear it all the time mm-hmm. and that it becomes top of mind. Yeah. And and they push our web page. They, they say a phone number, but they push the web page. Every ad tells you to go to nixcoplumbing.com. Okay. That's where people are calling. That's, if you're driving, you're not looking at a phone number, you're not typing it in, or you might, or wherever, you'll remember nixcoplumbing.com. You're not going to remember that phone number. Exactly. So they type in nixco, they, they hit the call button from their mobile phone, or they call yeah. it from the website. So that, that's, that's great. A lot of guys aren't really leveraging radio, so I love it when I, when I talk to somebody like yourself that is using radio. Um, you feel like it's, it's had an impact, and, um, and that's, that's, that's interesting. The, the key then, it sounds like, is clarity of the customer audience and then really committing to the frequency. I think that was the word we were looking for, frequency of them hearing the ad. So it's, they don't hear it once. They hear it again and again and again and again, and when they need a plumber, you're just their guy. Yeah, it's funny because now, and now when I go into like our local association meetings, I'll have people say to me, "If I can get to one more football game, I'll have your ad memorized." Because <laughs> they hear it on the way and on the way back, and so even the other uh, contractors in town are listening and are hearing it. So you know it's out there, and you know it's being heard. Yeah. So yeah, frequency is huge. That that constant play of that ad is huge for people to understand or get to know who's out there. And the other thing about it is that they also think that you're bigger than what you are mm. because you're on the radio. Right. They figure you must be this massive, massive company that has everything together. Yeah. Not that you no, don't. We'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess so. moving from there, uh, public relations, any specific public relation activities? I know you guys are involved in um, community events and um, charity type stuff. Like, just talk to us a, a little bit about your public relation activities that you guys are doing. The biggest thing that we do with that are all associated around that pink pink plumbing truck we have where mm-hmm. we take a portion of all the proceeds and donate it to either Pink Ribbon Girls here in town, Cancer Free Kids, or one of the other cancer associations that pop up here or there. And so every month, every month or two months, I'll write a check to a couple of those organizations and we just keep an ongoing total. So I think right now we're up to donating like over $20,000 based on the sales off that truck. Wow. So that's probably the biggest thing that we do. We, we do stuff with churches locally that we're affiliated with where we sponsor events or or, or our sponsors in, at their festivals or their basketball events. And those are probably the biggest things that we do. I want, I want to come back to the I want to come back to the pink truck because I think it's it's a great idea. It's something philanthropic that your company does. Um, so just kind of high level there's a there's a out of all of your fleet of trucks there's one that's pink and it's like once is it once a month all the proceeds from that truck get donated to, just talk to me about that a little bit for our, for our listeners yeah there's one truck uh and then that what we do is every every bit of sales we take a portion or a percentage of every sale that that guy makes so if he sells one hundred thousand dollars in a month or whatever we'll take a portion of that and it'll get donated to those costs okay and we came up with that. It, my my grandma had it. My grandma had breast cancer. My one of my aunts had it, and they fought it, they beat it, and all that. And so we started that that direction where we were giving money to the Pink Ribbon Girls because that was helping people associated with that. 
And then there's a local association here that's really strong in the cancer-free kids, which is money donated and raised to help cancer for kids. So we started m moving those funds between the two of them. So you're accomplishing something where you're helping both local organizations that'll help, help hopefully help you know the fight against cancer. Yeah, that's awesome. And obviously, you know, there's a connection to the cause. There's the you know the fact that you're giving back. Do you find that there's any? And, and I know this isn't the primary reason, but is there any business benefit uh, associated with doing that? I don't know if there truly is or not. I mean, people from Cancer for Kids, they, they recognize you, they call you, and they stop and say, same with Pink Ribbon Girls. Um, some people, you know, might ask the guys about the, about the pink truck, why the pink truck. But I, I can't say that you know, there's a measurable amount, and that's not why we did it. We did right. it for just to be, to be out there. Even they'll come to you wanting you to lock in a plan and say, no, this is why we're doing it and this is why, how I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm going to donate, you know, $100,000 today. I mean, not 100 but, you know. Right. We're going to donate what comes out of it. Right. Or, it's just whatever comes in, we're giving to you guys. You can do with it as you want. There's nothing is, you know, I'm not directing where it goes. It's your money to, to use. And it's just how we've done it. Awesome. And I think subconsciously, Everyone wants to be a part of something bigger. You know, there's more There's more to life than just making money. And so for your team, for your customers that are aware of it, um, whether it's conscious or not, it just makes you a better place to work. It makes you the kind of place people want to be a, a, associated with. So even though you might not be able to say, well, we gave this much and it generated this many new clients uh, or customers, uh, I believe it does have an impact on the, on the continued growth and success of the company. I, I think so. I mean, I like. I mean, I, it's fun. You know, I, this past year, with Cancer Free Kids, took our money that we accumulated through the year and made us a table sponsor. So that en enabled us to invite um, ten people to their dinner. So that opened their eyes to you know another group of people as to their cause. And so it just helped you know keep base their cause seen better. Or I don't know. Yeah. No. That, that that's that's fantastic. So uh, moving to, to networking, um, you know, BNI, Chamber of Commerce, yeah. do you do any of that type of stuff? No, because, well, BNI we felt was just not to network for us. We, we were in that for two or three years and it was not, it was a fail. The Chamber, we're members of the Chamber, but our Chamber grew to be so big with the small market, then it grew to be where it got um, absorbed by the city of Cincinnati. So it's not something that we really do much with. Our name's there, we advertise. And then realtors and supply houses. I mean, supply houses might refer us here and there. Realtors, we're a part of the um, association, so we'll get some work for homeowners associations, which is nice. They'll, that's how they found most of our names. So we continue our, uh, so, what do you say, annual renewal, we'll renew our membership annually, but we really don't get much involved in what they're doing on the day in and day out basis. They're just happy to see us as a, a member of their organization. And so it enables us to get in with some new people here and there. Okay. We probably could get in with more. I don't have enough guys to get in with more right now. That's true, yeah. Okay. So uh, home shows, probably same. Do you, you guys do a big booth at the, at the home shows, or do you just kind of pass on that whole? Um... We pass on that one. Mm -hmm. well, we go down there every now and then and look at what's there, but it's not really something that uh, really thrills us. Okay. So it sounds like, I mean, really the, the bulk of it is, at this point, it's the, you're doing the radio stuff, um, 
passed on the on the yellow pages pretty much all together. A little bit of direct mail to the existing customer base. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about internet marketing in, in, in as a whole. That has been uh, something that we we use, we do and we've done. Uh, it's been very helpful, especially we had a when we started to grow. It was really we were just flat out booming with that. And of course, we use that. What were they called? Plumbing and HPAC SEO or somebody <laughs> like that. And uh, we started with when we joined teams, joined together as a team. At the beginning, we grew like crazy. There was a law, and then now, once again, it's been just an incredible run for us, where we were able to track, and we've gone through a few different people at your place. But now, one of the things I've learned from going to meetings was that you know I need to manage that much better than what I was doing in the past. And so that's where I came up and started doing a weekly meeting with, with my account rep with you guys. And it, it's opened my eyes as to what, what it's all about, how it works, what what goes in on the day in and day out. So I see the reports every week. I see them every day. I see my call reports every day, so I know where my calls are coming from. So what we have found that, you know, in the paper, SEO is huge because mm -hmm. I want the people to be able to find me. Yep. And with the website that we have now and the way it's set up and the changes that we make here and there and your staff has made with, with the website, our, our website is, I think, is very good. I, I would say it's probably the best we've had. Yeah. And now we've got our call volume is based off of that, it seems like. Most of our calls day in and day out now are Google Places and our, our, our website. Um very little, I mean, very little of our call volume is actually paid for click. Mm. So between, you know, you've got pay per click, the SEO, we got the website, you got Google, you got Bing, um, you got Facebook, and you got Twitter. All those things we're running, we've got, we're, we have some sort of presence on. Mm -hmm. People are finding it, finding us, but of course, if you don't have that strong SEO portion of it where they can recognize, look up something and find you right away. I don't think anything else really matters at that point. No doubt. Yeah, no no doubt. And um, so it's kind of to his point, it's easy to say I want to do internet marketing and hire a company, whether it's ours or, or one of the other vendors that are in this industry, but it is kind of incumbent on you as the as the owner marketer of the business to, to manage and kind of be involved, right? Your internet marketing provider is going to do what they think is best, but they need to hear from you. They need to get feedback from you. They need to kind of close the loop between we generated this many calls, how many of them actually converted into sales, so that we can shift and we can pivot and we can really make sure that the campaign is as effective as possible. So I thought it was good that you said that, you know, you don't necessarily have to do weekly calls, but definitely engage in a monthly meeting with your account manager, whoever's handling your internet or your marketing strategy, and kind of sit down with them and get clarity on here's what had happened, here's what we accomplished, and here's what we're going to do next, right? Oh, most definitely, yes, because right now we're in a situation where we're having to shut down pay-per-click because our call volume is so high on the other. So we're talking about today when we had our meeting, I actually met with her before we, I met with you or before we had this interview, mm -hmm. and we realized that they had bumped up our pay-per-click, and right at that point we actually paused everything except for brand so that we could slow down the incoming call volume on the on, from the pay-per-click side of things. Our SEO is generating enough, and our other mediums are generating enough phone phone calls that, hey, let's stop 
spending money where we don't need to be spending money and make it on make it in another direction or have the calls come in until we need it right you know if we're booking a week out I don't want to keep taking calls and have customers get upset with us because we can't provide the level of service that we want no no doubt about that yeah I mean and, and the nice thing about pay-per-click is you can scale it back when you're over capacity and you can ratchet it up when you have a lot of excess capacity so you're kind of in that spot where your technicians are fully they're fully booked and you've got leads coming in from organic sources that you can easily say look let's just let's slow down the PPC and, and get our lower cost leads that are already coming in and really maximize that that avenue yes most definitely the one other thing we're doing is Google Home Services, but since like the first week that we had it up, we've had it turned off. Mm -hmm. Just because we haven't needed those calls from that source yet. Yeah, I think for you, so, it's another one of those. It's almost like pay per click. So we have too many leads to handle. So you know, why pay per lead on the home advice, uh, home, uh, home service stuff? Correct. The what? So this is an interesting topic because it's so new. Um, a lot of a lot of markets, Google Home Services has rolled out. Uh, we have clients that are on it and love it. We have other clients that, like you, maybe have just been too busy to really deal with it. Um, but from the leads that you did get, what did you find? I think you, kind of your perception was they weren't the top echelon quality customers you had preferred. But correct me if I'm wrong. You are correct. Okay. We we've only had it. We only had it on for I'm going to say let's say a week. We had. Six calls, maybe five calls, and I don't think we ran a single one after that. They were basically price shoppers, mm. is what I'm gathering at this point. Um, so, no, not, none of them were really great calls by any stretch. Okay. But, and so it's going back to like one of the other buying services that are down below. That's how I almost envision it right now. Home services kind of down there with Angie's List and Home Advisor, kind of in that same bucket of um, of third party lead sources. As of right now, yeah, until we actually get a good run on it, they have a lot of stuff they need to do to fix it because that it seems to be a um, I don't want, I don't know if cheap's the word to use, but a bad not a great system, and you can't do a whole lot, and you have to they want to run it through your phone and as far as how you can make changes. It's trying to be Apple-based or something like that, or Mac-based. So it's not, I don't think it's very, very business-oriented yet. Okay. Give it time maybe, but they, they got some changes to do, I think. Yeah, yeah, and I, I would say, you know, for you listening, if home, home Google Home Service ads have rolled out in your area, um, you should be, be pre-qualified. You definitely want to get yourself on the list because Google has placed the home service ads above the pay-per-click in a lot of cases, definitely above the map. And so um, we don't know how aggressively they're going to roll it out. They could do anything. So you don't want to miss the boat and kind of be completely out of it. But you can do like Jeff does, get signed up, put a very limited budget at the beginning, test it out. Uh, and if it works for you, great. You can almost expand that infinitely. If it doesn't work out, you know, you can put your money elsewhere. So I think that was a great conversation around Google Home Service ads. Um, are there any other uh, of these lead buying service like Home Advisor, eLocal Plumber that you're that you're engaged with? We uh, we used to be a Home Advisor. We I only way I'd be a Home Advisor client. I'm sorry, is if they paid me to do it. <laughs> uh, eLocal is not something I think that's very good here or great here. Okay. Uh, Angie's List 
AngelList and Home Advisor are about the same thing. They would have to pay me to be on their system. Now, for others, it works great. I talk to customer contractors in this area that think it's the best thing ever. It's funny. It just does not work for us. Um, Yelp is one that, you know, everybody could stand them. I couldn't stand them. But for some reason, we're on their good side. We don't advertise with them at all. But we've been we had had this run where we were getting referrals and phone calls all all day long. And I don't know why, but we were, and we our rating has gone way up on there or it's gone up. You know we we fought the rating thing for a long time. Yeah. But now we have. But uh, Yelp is one that we will we do we deal with Better Business Bureau. We use uh, we have people will uh, review us there, but we do use it. But it's not. People are typically, I don't think, are going to the Better Business Bureau to look you up anymore. Not as much as they do. Google. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Google's for. Yeah, for sure. So then, out of, so I mean, the things out of all of these online more out of all of these initiatives, where, where's the lion's share? What's like the, the biggest driver of consistent leads for you? It's going to be, it's not measurable, but I'm going to say radio and internet. Okay. So the only measurable one is truly internet marketing. Mm-hmm. You can't measure radio because you can put unless your number is just you know one 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 or whatever. That's the only way you can measure it. So that's only you can put a number out there and hope they call it. But unless it's a special number, they'll never remember it. Yeah, I mean it really does have a synergistic effect. Kind of radio, also TV at some level, billboards. Because if you've got a noticeable brand in your market, a lot of people they're going to go search to find you and that's going to generate more tracked calls via your internet marketing activity if you're doing SEO pay-per-click home service ads and let's say they've heard the radio ads but they they didn't necessarily go search you verbatim they search and they see you on the paid listings they see you on home service ads and then they see your organic listing they're going to gravitate to a brand that they recognize so it does kind of have a, a synergistic effect where if your internet marketing's on point and you're doing other branding, kind of it, it raises the effectiveness of everything that you do in terms of marketing. Correct. Correct. <laughs> so let's let's move to trainings and organizations. So I mean it's like you know, you've got this great company, you've grown it over the years, you're doing almost six million dollars per year. Have there been any groups or organizations that have helped you get to where you're at today and to continue to, to grow and innovate? Well, we, we belong to CMPA, PHCC, and QSC, which is Quality Service Contractors. And when we joined QSC, that's what really pushed us to the point of growing and learning what training was. And that's where we started with sales training. And now we have a, a sales trainer that we have locally that trains not only our sales staff, but also works with the management team. On a, on a consistent monthly basis that helped push us up to where we are. It's, it's They've grown our service techs from, you know, a truck that was doing 200, 250,000 and now where they're doing between four and 500,000 a truck. Wow, that, so makes that, it, that makes a massive difference. Oh, it makes a huge difference. But uh, it, it's made our life so much better that, you know, that these guys are learning, understanding, and we're telling them that, you know, the more they can do, the better their, their life's going to be. So we're not only trying to help, show them that it's helping the company, we're trying to help them grow as, as individuals. Yeah. So yeah. QSC and what they brought to the table and what they opened our eyes to has been a huge part of what we have. And then in turn, we try to give it back 
to some of the local PHCC members to try to explain to them that, you know, this is what you need to do, trying to train others. Okay. So for the, for the listeners that don't, like, aren't familiar with QSC or maybe haven't kind of interacted, tell, just tell us what QSC is and where they, how they would learn more about it. And QSC is an affiliated group of PHCC that focuses on service contractors, no matter what type it is, plumbing, heating, cooling, electrical. I don't think we've added any others, but you're, you're based on, it's a group of people that are here to make themselves better, to increase, to make the company better, to be the best of the best, um, to, to I mean, grow your business, to take it to the next level. So not, where you're not only servicing the clients, you're also servicing yourself and improving your life at the same time. And that's one of the big things that we try to push to everybody is that, you know, if you're in business for your, you're in business, not just to work, mm-hmm. but to, and to see, make your life better. And yeah. so that's, I think uh, you'll see that in this group where everybody is sharing things and teaching each other and helping each other become better, that it's a great place to be if you want to be, to get, to get to a better place in your life. Yeah, that's a great synopsis of it. And, you know, a lot of our clients are QSC members. A lot of people, if you go back to the, the historic recordings uh, of the of the podcast, uh, are QSC members. And ultimately, it's a group that offers training, coaching, and like a mastermind where you can meet with other guys like Jeff, like Dan Dowdy, like Greg Joyce, uh, like the others that have been interviewed, and hang out with them and rub shoulders and like learn from them on a more personal level. So, um, yeah, I mean, look up QSC or PHCCQSC if you're interested because it really is a powerful organization that, that can help move you from where you're at today to the next level in your, in your plumbing or HVAC business. So, Jeff, what other nuggets of wisdom would you, would you maybe want to share in closing on today's episode for that plumbing or HVAC business owner that's trying to get to the next level do you have any any thoughts or additional nuggets that you want to drop? Well, a couple things uh, with that. So when I saw this question, I wrote a couple things down. But Good. you know, know your numbers. That's one of the biggest things. Is know your numbers, price correctly, do it at a profit, and then when you come up with your numbers, stick to it. Hmm. You don't do it at a loss. That's that's one of the big things that I always try to preach is know, just know your numbers. Absolutely. Raise prices, do less work, make more money. I mean, it, it's pretty simple. Yeah. What, what's a good what's a good what's I've a good profit margin okay. target uh, in this business, or, or is that something you could kind of like a, a benchmark that you should be targeting in terms of pricing? As far as net profit, is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Why? What's a good target? Yeah. Typically, I'm hearing anybody doing it from fifteen to twenty-five percent. Okay. So net net. That's after everything's said and done. So customers get to pay. I mean. You're getting paid as a owner, and then there's this, still this money left over. And I would say on that on that point, um, if you're if you're not if you're not netting a profit, there's really no point to be doing the doing the business in the first place. I mean that's that's such a powerful no, insight that I would say 95% of plumbing HVC contractors tend to miss. Like they wind up hustling and running and getting new trucks and sending new guys and advertising in new ways but they're not priced correctly, and so they're, they're just running themselves ragged with nothing to show for it. So it's a, it's a, a very salient point that, that Jeff just made, and, and definitely take heed, know your numbers, and price accordingly. And if you're not 
doing it at a profit. Right now, there's plenty of other companies out there that are looking for plumbing technicians that you can go to work for them and just get rid of all your headaches and probably make as much, if not more, working for somebody else. And make more, right. Yeah. Yesterday, uh, QSC had a podcast with Rebecca. It was with Larry Wingett. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you were talking about nuggets. And one of the things that he says, it was something like this, that, you know, everyone knows the nuggets that are out there. Just not, no one is implementing implementing those nuggets. So I would say take a nugget, no matter how small it is, and implement it. And if it works, great. If not, try another one. So, I mean, you can't, I can't really offer anybody anything that they don't already know. Mm. That they know it and they're just not doing it. So, I mean, that, it made great sense because for a long time I, I was getting these nuggets and never using them. Now I'm trying to make that point to try to use that one every time. And it does work. Simple one was making sure I called or have a conversation with Cindy every week from, yep. from SDO. So now that's a simple little nugget that for 24 months I didn't do, and now I do it, and it's made a, a world of difference. Yeah, no doubt. So any, anything else you want to share before we wrap up this this awesome episode of the of the podcast? Mm, um, I'm going to say I can't think of anything right off the top of my head. Um now, if anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out to me at the power meeting. I'm always going to be at the QSC power meeting, or they can reach, uh, find me somehow on Facebook. I'm sure you'll be able to question me somehow on that. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll, I'll put a link out to, to your website in case anybody wants to take a look and kind of do, do more research and, and track you down. Um, Jeff, this has been awesome. I really appreciate your generosity of spirit and kind of sharing your success story how you've been able to grow, how you're keeping the phones ringing. Uh, I think there was a lot of great insights. So thank you so much for sharing. Uh, thank you for listening, listeners, to this episode. I, you know, If you're getting value from these podcast interviews, please just take a minute. Uh, find us on YouTube or on, uh, on iTunes uh, or go to our website. Post a comment or review. It really helps us out a lot. If you'd like to be alerted as new episodes are posted, uh, we're targeting to do at least one episode per month, so you don't want to miss out. Uh, be sure to subscribe. You can do that at plumbingmarketing.net. That's the, the website for these interviews. That's plumbingmarketing.net. Uh, again, hope you got great value from today's session. Go out, take the nugget, implement it, grow your business, and we'll talk to you next time. Jeff, thanks again for joining us on this episode. Thank you.